The following sermon is from Redemption Bible Church of New Braunfels, where we are proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology, in order to fulfill the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment. Turn in your copy of God's Word now to Romans 6. Romans chapter 6 is where we'll be. It's been exciting, as I've said multiple times, baptisms, we'll have some new members that we'll introduce at the conclusion of the service, it's our ministry or kickoff, we've been worshiping in and through God's word, but new life, growth in Christ, the Bible, these things should get us fired up every Sunday, shouldn't they? These things should get us fired up. And so this morning, as we come to God's word, we're gonna take the next step in this uh, authentic walk series that we began last week. Across the pages of the scriptures, we encounter this repeated phrase that describes an authentic follower of Christ. It is to walk, to follow, or to walk with Christ. And that's been described in a variety of ways in your Bible. Last week, we saw that walking with Christ means walking in his word. But as you survey your scriptures, as you're reading it on your own, you'll find that we walk in the footsteps of faith. Romans 4 talks about this. We walk by the Spirit, don't we? We walk by the Spirit. We walk in good works that God has uh, prepared for us. We are to walk in a worthy manner. We are to walk in love. We walk in the light and we walk in the truth. And today, today we're going to hone in on this idea of walking in newness of life. Because walking with Christ means walking in newness of life. Have you ever noticed the various ways that people walk? Ever noticed how people have a different gait, a different stride as they move throughout life? You notice that? If not, just go downtown this afternoon and just people watch. Just watch people passing by. You know, I'm not doing this to poke fun at anybody, but it's just something very interesting. I, for a season when I was in Chicago, I worked at a New Balance store. And so we were taught to identify the different ways that people walk and then to fit them with the appropriate shoes. But people walk in all kinds of ways. There's, there's the saunter. You know, you ever see people just kind of walk with saunter? Then there's the Hulk version of the saunter. It's kind of a slow, but it's more Hulk forward, you know, especially guys with big muscles. They walk uh, kind of like that. There's the, the speed walkers. You ever seen those people? When I lived in Chicago, man, people were always on the go, right? You ever tried to walk with one of those? Someone a speed walker? All right, let's confess. Who's a speed walker in here? Who's like, Phew. some spouses are like, this guy right here, he's always in a hurry. There's, there's some that have the swagger step, right? Some that are pretty cool, you know, they got this little like drop thing going, they the swagger, you know? There's the slothful walk, right? You know, just kind of the crawl. This is especially true in kids, right? Kids just, you're trying to get somewhere in a hurry and they just like, Phew. kids really have two speeds, don't they? They're either like running away or they're boat anchoring you, right? That's like two speeds in kids. And so part of our parental discipleship is teaching them how to walk. Literally and also spiritually, right? Parents in the house, is it our job to be discipling our kids in the faith? Yes, and it's also our job to teach them how to walk at appropriate speeds at appropriate times, depending upon the situation. Now that's all just fun and games, right? It's all just fun and games. But so too are there multiple ways that we walk or we live our life. The Bible talks about it in terms of walking in the old way or walking in a new way. There's a manner of life that's controlled by sin. And there's a manner of life that is controlled by Jesus. 
And the Apostle Paul really describes this dynamic in detail in these central chapters of the book of Romans. In chapters 5 through 8, he speaks of our sanctification or our walking in newness of life. So you've already turned there, but let's look now, and I'm going to read it for us. Romans 6, 1 through 4. Listen and follow along as I read it. The Word of God says this, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. This is God's word for God's people. And here's what we can say to summarize these verses. We can say this, view grace the right way so you live life in a new way. That's the big idea. And we're going to take it in two parts as we uh, walk through these four verses. But it says this, view grace the right way so you live life in a new way. And so let's look at this first statement. View grace the right way. View grace the right way. If you're familiar with the book of Romans, you may know this. If not, here's some helpful hints as you read through it. The book of Romans reads uh, much like a lawyer making his case while addressing his opponent's rebuttals and skepticism. The apostle Paul is laying out case after case and, and as, as he's making his argument for the gospel, he is it's as if he's uh, anticipating how somebody will object to the truth that he just said. And really, Romans is one of the most comprehensive, systematic teachings we have on faith and doctrine in our whole Bible. Just as a side note, I would submit that every Christian should know uh, the 16 chapters of Romans inside and out. It's one of the foundational books of our Bible. And so here in verse 1, he's continuing his line of reasoning that he's been laying out for several chapters. He's addressing his opponents and he's anticipating the question and now he's answering it. You ever done this in your own head? You know, maybe with your kids, you're trying to teach them something or you have a proposal to make to your boss. You need some time off or something or you're trying to submit a proposal or a project. And so you are running through in your mind all the ways that they may or may not respond. Well, my kid's going to say this when I ask him to go here. And so here's going to be my answer. You ever have those internal thoughts in your mind or is that only me? Some of you? Okay, at least I'm not the only crazy person having these internal conversations. But what Paul is doing here is he's been laying out the gospel, is he's been laying out the glory of the grace of God. This really uh, unthinkable mercy that God has shown uh, very sinful humans. And so in verse 1 here, he's addressing this line of thinking that goes something like this. Our badness makes God's goodness look even better. Our badness makes God's goodness look even better. And that's, that's really true. And so, but they, they take it too far. And he says, therefore, we should keep doing bad because it will keep making God look even greater. Do you see that? If our badness, the depth of our sin and depravity and the, the heights and the glory of God's grace and mercy, the bigger that gap is, the greater God looks. And so therefore, we should just keep doing bad because the worse we look, the greater God looks. 
You see that line of thinking? And there's some truth in there, but it's taken much too far. And what's really at the heart of this thinking, it's, 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 there's some truth here, but it's the same type of thinking why we uh, love the dramatic testimony, right? We, we shed tears over uh, the, the drug addict that comes to Christ, that comes out of in, uh, imprisonment and all kinds of things that's totally rock bottom. We shed tears over that, but we kind of yawn. We yawn at the, you know, the person who came to faith as a kid in a Christian home and we're just kind of like, oh, that's not a big deal. It's that same line of thinking here that takes us much too far. But let me just say something here, just as a side note. Listen, no testimony is boring. God's work in, in, in anybody's life is not uneventful. Because when we truly understand what God did, our testimony is not about what we did or we didn't do. But it's about what Christ has done. And that's the most riveting story ever told. No matter what God did to save you. So to think then that if our badness makes God's goodness look even better, therefore I should keep doing bad so that God looks even greater, really shows then a misunderstanding of two important relationships. Of two important relationships. And that's how Paul answers it here. He answers it with a question there in, in verse 2, 3, and uh, the beginning of 4. He asks the question, should we continue then in sin so that grace may continue to abound? And here's some strong language in verse 2. He says, by no means, absolutely not, never. And then he asks this question, how can we who died to sin still live in it? And so to think this way shows that we misunderstand our relationship to sin and we misunderstand our relationship with Christ. We misunderstand our relationship to sin and our relationship with Christ. Look at verse two. What is our relationship to sin? What does he say here in a question form? What does he say? What is our relationship to sin? We are dead to it. We are dead to it. Now, what does that mean? What exactly have we died? How exactly have we died? This is maybe some strange language here, but these are some very important truths for all of us who are in Christ. I want you to make sure you understand this. See, when we were saved, when, we, when God gave us a new heart, we died, we were set free from, but we died to sin's penalty in us because of what Christ did. He paid the penalty. He was the lamb in our place, Christ in our place, our substitutionary atonement. We died to its penalty, but also what Paul is getting to here is that we died to sin's power over us. Beloved, if you are in Christ today, sin is not your master. Sin is not your master. It has no dominion over you. Your sanctification, at, at when, when Christ died on the cross and you were brought to faith in Christ, then this is what verse 7 says, for the one who has died has been set free from sin. It's really speaking of the same thing in two different ways. We are dead to it. And you know what's here's just a little side benefit. We await, we await our freedom from sin's presence at our glorification. We've been set free from its penalty, from its power. We look forward, we await to our freedom from sin's presence. And so to answer verse two or this question here, how can we who have died to sin still live in it? The answer is we don't. Authentic Christ followers don't continue to live a life 
of sin. See, here's the reality. Here's the glorious truth in all of this. As Christ followers, we now have the ability to say no. We have the ability to say no. Apart from faith in Christ, we cannot please God. This is Romans 8. He gets to this. We can't say no. But now, because we are dead to sin's power, we can and increasingly do say no to sin. We come to the places that we were once tempted. When urges rise up that we now know that these are sinful, these are wrong, these dishonor the Lord, we now have the ability to say, I'm not going to do that. Old way of life. Old way of life. That's the old me. It is what I used to do. And now I don't. Now I desire to fight it. Now I desire by the Spirit to put to death the deeds of the body. And beloved, let me just be clear here. This doesn't mean that we immediately become perfect, does it? That's what chapter 7 is all about, the battle. Now the difference is we have the power and we have the desire to fight against it. We have the desire. We have become more powerful in a way like never before. We can now say no to sin. And verses three and four really tell us why we can. It's because of our relationship to Christ. See, we have to understand that we are dead to sin, but we are also now alive in Christ. Look here at where verse three goes. It says, do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. See, we must have, we have to have this firm grasp on our relationship to sin and to Christ. And so what Paul does here to help us understand, to help us view grace the right way, is he uses this picture of baptism. A picture we just witnessed this morning. Our salvation, our, our transformation, our regeneration, these three kind of words that really, uh, in essence, mean the same thing, is pictured in the act of immersion or baptism. This is why the mode is important, why we are immersed or why we are dunked in the water, because there is a picture here of us dying to sin, of us being buried, and then being raised to life in uh, unity with Christ. It represents what's happening when we are saved. It is a picture for a watching world. Did we see that this morning? Amen, praise God. But let us not also think that this is just a mere representation. We're not just going through the motions, so to speak, when we are being baptized. There's a reason why we are to, uh, in obedience, proclaim what God has done in our life. See, our, our verses here speak of something much more spiritually significant than just a mere picture. It speaks of something such that we are united to Christ by, do you see that? By or through baptism into death. Now we can't take this too far and to say that we must be baptized in order to be saved. But that would totally defeat all, all of the scripture's teaching. It would, it would just make it a meritorious work that we had earned. But here's what he means. What does he mean by this? That we are baptized by, by, or by baptism we are brought into this. What he's referring to here really is the spiritual nourishment that we receive through obeying Christ. In the same way that when we obey the Lord through communion, through the reading of scripture, through our prayers, through uh, uh, the things that God has given us, these means of grace, we are spiritually nourished and connected to Christ in a profound way. 
as he feeds us, as he teaches us, as by the spirit we are brought to conviction, as we grow in our understanding. And so as we are baptized, our relationship to Christ, we are brought into unity. This is one of the things where we are united to him. See, when Christ died on the cross and was buried, it paid the penalty, the penalty that we should have paid. But it also released us from its power from a master that is no longer. And so by grace, through faith, we are united to Christ. And we get the privilege of proclaiming that when we come to faith through baptism. See, this is why we must view grace the right way. If we fail to grasp our relationship to sin and Christ, it, can have, it has really horrible ramifications. Because this is, this is the gospel, beloved. This is the truth that saves us. And a failure to understand this, to say, well, I should just continue in sin, reveals something in our heart that we don't fully understand our relationship to sin and Christ. And if we get that wrong, there are eternal, eternal consequences. See, this grace, this gift, it's not something we've earned, but was one for us. One for us, eternal life. And that transformation, it starts here in our mind. We must view it the right way so we don't find ourselves asking questions like this. It's not how much can I get away with or how much bad can I do, but how much can I run towards Christ? And this starts in our mind. Let us be transformed by the renewal of our mind, Romans 12 says. We must get these things right. We must understand what Christ did on our behalf. And so we must put truth in there. We must dwell on Christ. We must be uh, men and women that rehearse the gospel, growing in our understanding, never stopping, never uh, ceasing to learn the great depths of the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. We've got three fantastic books this month, just as a little plug, out there at the connection table to help you this month. A little book on theology, a little book on the spiritual disciplines, a book on evangelism. We've put them there to help you in this so that you may consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. It begins there. Let us, in our fight against sin and our, in, our, in our desire to obey God, let us view grace the right way and not in a cheap way. But we view grace the right way so that, here's the second part, so that we live life in a new way. We live life in a new way. You see how he's, he's been making this, uh, this case here for how are we related to sin and to Christ, but what, for what purpose? It's so that, or in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Have you heard me say that a few times this morning? Yeah. Yeah. Church, did Jesus stay dead? Is he still on that cross? Is he still lying in the tomb somewhere, bones 2,000 years old? No, he's very much alive, is he not? He's alive, ruling and reigning and interceding for us. He is, he is now uh, receiving the worship of heaven, the worship of uh, our praises that we bring to him. He is very much so alive. And just as he is raised, just as he received a new glorified body, it says, so that we too might now live alive controlled by the spirit and we await, we await those glorified new bodies in the end. 
that we will receive in the end. So what does all this mean? What does it mean to walk in newness of life? Well, let me just put it very simply for you. Just as you can, because of being identified with Christ and his death, now that sin is, you have died to sin, meaning you can say no to sin. So we too, we've been raised with Christ and now we can say yes to the things of God. We can say yes to the things of God. We, can, we now have the ability to live a good life, to live a holy life, to live a new life. We are no longer stuck in those destructive patterns that have been destroying us. We are no longer lost and without purpose. We are no longer bouncing around from a bad relationship to the next, looking for a fulfillment that we can only find in Christ. See, in Christ, we walk in newness of life. So what does this mean? We can say yes to the things of the Lord. What does it mean to have a new life? Well, it begins with new thoughts. Just as we've been talking about, we, uh, as we come to Christ, as we are, are saved and transformed, we have new thoughts about life, how to live life. We have new thoughts about the meaning of life, of our existence. We start to have new thoughts about the people around us and our relationship with them. We begin to have new thoughts about the world's problems, about things like natural disasters and injustice and, and, uh, and, and violence around the globe. We begin to have new thoughts about how we view them and, and we have new thoughts about the solution to them. See, it's the same gospel that saved you. It's the same gospel that is ultimately the solution for all of the world's problems. We walk in newness of life through not just new thoughts, but also new desires. Some of you have a great testimony. You've heard even a little bit of it this morning. Our, the affections of our heart change when we receive a new heart. One of the ways that I, I've seen this actually play out, it's kind of funny, it's, but it's, it's, I've seen so many people come to Christ and all of a sudden have this newfound desire to read. Men who never read a book. Somehow they were able to graduate like all of high school, never reading a book cover to cover. I don't know how you can do that, but apparently it's possible. And then God gives them a new heart. They start walking in newness of life and they become voracious readers. So he gives us new affections, new desires about how we worship, our desires to serve, how we spend our time and our desires about the people that we want to be around is this new thoughts new desires and even new habits about how we live our life about how we choose to be entertained about what we spend our money on about what we do on weekends about how we work hard in our jobs he gives us new habits and beloved this is what makes us distinct from the world it's what makes us distinct from the world see our old way of life just blended in we were, as it says in the scriptures, we were just walking according to the patterns of this world. We were just walking according to the prince of the power of the air. But now he's given us a new way to live. And beloved, it doesn't matter what culture you live in. No matter what era of life you God, uh, sovereignly put you on this earth, it always stands out. Like a peacock and a chicken coop. That'd stand out a little bit. Or as use a biblical metaphor as a sheep in a goat pen. 
We always stand out. So God gives us new priorities, new purposes, new plans that are distinct from the world. See, we walk in a different way. We walk now with, uh, with our heads held high because our eyes are on Christ. We can walk as strong and courageous because of what Christ has did. And this stands out among those that are just sauntering through life, among the, those that are speed walking or swaggering their way through life. See, believers walk, how? In newness of life. And that happens through the things that we say no to and the things that we say yes to. And this causes us to stand out. Ask this question. What do you need to say no to today? What do you need to say yes to? In obedience to Christ. To the glory of God. A no or a yes that will likely be difficult because it will be different from those around you. Because it will cause you to stand out. But redemption, let me just say this. If it's a decision that is in obedience to Christ, to the glory of God, it will be so worth it to say that no, to say that yes, because of the grace that has been given you. See, we walk one step at a time, don't we? We walk one no and one yes decision at a time. We just need to take the first step. And each step after that, each step after that will become more clear after that as we walk, as we walk, as we walk in obedience to Christ for as long as he keeps us around. We walk in newness of life. And I pray, my prayer is that we may be a people that walk into this new ministry year, into this new season, maybe a new season in your life of parenting, of job, of school, new work position, whatever it might be, as we walk into this new season, we would be marked as walking in newness of life. That even we as a church, as we head into a new building this fall, Lord willing, that we would walk as authentic followers of Christ who view grace the right way so that we constantly live lives in a new way and we see that multiplying over and over and over again to the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you join me as we pray? God in heaven, here we are. We're your people and we uh, even now recognize that we can't do this on our own. That if it wasn't for uh, the grace that you have shown us, we would still be in a pickle. We would still be walking in an old way. Be you, God, being rich in mercy and abounding in steadfast love, you saved us. And so, Lord, even as we, as we talk about this new way of life, God, there may be some in here, and even as they've heard your word this morning, recognize that I'm still walking in an old way. God, there may be some who heard the testimonies from the baptism, who've heard the songs that we've sung, that you, Jesus, were the Lamb of God in our place. I realized...
that I don't know that hope and grace and peace. But I want it. So God, would you do your work? Would you go after them? Would you bring them, God, by your kindness to repentance? They might cast their self onto you, Jesus. Thank you that that's what you are about. Let's pray that, God, we would be a people of redemption. Just as you've redeemed us, that you would continue to redeem your people through us because of what Christ has done. Use us, God, as your ambassadors. Lord, you're so great. Only you could do a a great work like this to save us, to show us this grace, to enable us to live in a life, to live a life of grace and newness of life. Help us now, God, as we even come to worship you. And may our worship be reflective and responsive to just how great you are. We pray these things in Christ's name. God's people said, amen.